Welcome to Death Readers Season 2, Episode 2. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Fantastic. All right. Yeah, you... Did you have mate? No. No? You should have. I didn't have any at home. I looked. Okay. I had two cups of tea, though. Okay. Proper With caffeine? <laughs> with, with caffeine? Yes. Oh, cool. So, um... Proper British tea, what do you mean by that? Did you put... It's made in England. Did you put cream in it? Milk. Nice. Do you have have any uh, biscuits? We have some Jaffa cakes, but I wasn't really in the mood. Did you know that... uh, What are those cakes called again? Jaffa cakes. Did you know that those are legally considered cakes in England? You what? Yep. They are legally considered cakes so that they can avoid the... uh, Like, I think it's some sort of pastry tax, like a cookie tax that they have, like a snack cookie tax. I learned this from an extremely reliable source, which is the Big Fat Quiz... (laughs) From BBC, where they, they referenced this very specific thing. I didn't know that. And I thought that was a crazy weird thing to know and learn, and I'm probably very wrong. Do you get any info about Jamie Dodgers? Nope. McVitie's? Those oat cakes with chocolate? Nope. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Walker shortbread? Nope. <laughs> we got the one. And I can't even pronounce it. The silent laughs are really good for the podcast. It really communicates how much you're enjoying it. <laughs> so, okay. Um, so let's start with chapter four at Flourish and Blots. All right. Wait. Yep. What is this podcast about? <laughs> this podcast is about chapters three through. I'm in a broader. Four sense. through six. What are, what are we doing here at Death Readers? podcast oh should we you think we should establish that at the beginning of the podcast i think we should clue it's not it's not incredibly stupid um the uh of an idea you know pat yourself on the back i guess uh the uh welcome to death readers (laughs) this is a (laughs) podcast where i uh, rob and i uh read through the books this series is on the harry potter books specifically this podcast is about uh Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, uh, chapters four through six. Uh, I have never read the Harry Potter books, and part of the experience of this podcast is designed to be uh, me going through the books haphazardly and experiencing at, them for the first experiencing time. Experiencing the first time, but probably more often than not coming off as an idiot who doesn't understand what he's talking about. Whereas Rob has read these books, I like to say, seven times. I don't know if that's accurate or not. That's, um, that's literally what I said. I think it is. <laughs> so this is, might be the eighth time. Uh, and he knows way more about Potterverse, way more about everything about these books that I don't know. And he's here to guide and correct me. Don't bump the mic. Did I bump the mic? No, but you might have. All right. Um, so with all of that being said, you don't bump the sauna. Because uh, <laughs> the studio infrastructure. Whereas I may have bumped the mic, you definitely. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, it's hot in here like a like, like a something. Like, like some sort of wooden room for heated and sweating out. That's not it. Poisons. So we are on chapter four at, at Flourish and Blots. Blots. <laughs> good well do you have anything you want to say to start with let me look through here first um there's i've got a couple of notes 
My notes don't start until Borgen and Burks. Your notes don't start until so if you have anything, Alley. Right. So if you I do. have... Okay, good. Uh, mainly, uh, it's it's not so much a question about the chapters, but like there's a part from the last chapters that very much confuses me, or at least I have a lot of questions about, and that they're not answered in these chapters. Okay. Why the fuck do the Weasleys have a ghoul in their attic? Also, before that question can be answered, what the fuck is a ghoul in this in this context? That's a great question. Because my understanding, and I looked it up a little bit because sure. I wanted to answer my own question, but also uh, it doesn't really help. Modern fiction ghouls are essentially undead monsters. They're, they're kind of like zombies. I would go so far as to say they were zombies if you're saying zombie comes from the sort of deep hypnotized, you know, drugged person from Haiti which is where that word came from, ghoul is basically what Night of the Living Dead is about. And then the two terms kind oh, of... Oh, okay. The zombie came to describe the ghoul. So, but right. yes, it's yeah. a flesh-eating monster. Right. Human I, flesh. I, yeah, I, I looked up a little bit. Apparently it's a, uh Arabic monster. Oh, okay. That uh, is sort of... It's it's hard to describe in, in Western terms because I guess it... Is sort of demonic, but to me that describes that word specifically describes something that's anti-Christian. Um, like like a demon is is a entity from hell specifically in Christian mythology. Yeah, and yeah. so so that's hard for me to rationalize that word as anything other than that in other other cultures. And I so so for this specific use, I wonder. My point with that is that I don't think that's what demon means necessarily no, in, no. in in well, I would in the origin of, of this word. Point out the uh, the 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 connection to Rachel Ghoul, which is an Arabic term, right? Right, right. demon's head. name. Um, right. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but in my the, mind, it's always been flesh eating. So in your mind, the, the Weasleys have a flesh eating right over Ron's pseudo bedroom. undead yeah. monster right over Ron's bedroom. Okay, and that was my next question: is Is it right over Ron's bedroom? Because they describe Ron's bedroom as being like the highest room in the house, but they don't count the attic as a room. I guess not. Okay. I mean, and, and the movie certainly with, with the peaked roofs make it look like Ron's in the tip top of the house. Yes, but they don't. I don't think the ghoul is at all in the film. No, right. no, no, no. That's fucked up. It's fucked up. Like it's it's weird. Like it's fucked up in the sense that. Why? <laughs> I, I it feels like from a writing point of view, maybe it was just some of us. We have pests in our house, and and then you try trapping and, and trapping and doing things, and eventually you grow to form a symbiosis. And how would you do that in a magical universe? Like, oh, it's just the bats in the attic. Oh, we just got ghouls. That that works for the gnomes in the previous chapters, right? But I don't see them at all treating this ghoul in the same way. There's no, it. There's nothing about it where they even regard it as a pest. It's just sort of like that is here. Mm-hmm. Like that is like me saying, I don't know. Like we have crows that are ravens that live in our neighborhood. Potato gnomes or whatever. Right. For for the ghoul, it's more like that. Seems like if you if you had if you just had. Like, if you lived with black mold, it'd be like, yeah, I guess you could ignore that, but eventually, <laughs> it's probably going to kill you, or at least hurt you very badly, so you should probably just take care of it. That's a really good point. Unless, again, for some reason, the ghoul serves a purpose, which is not clearly defined in these couple of paragraphs, mm-hmm. um, but or, or it uh, is something that they... We'll address in the future, <laughs> but I just feel like it's a weird... It's Again, one of those things I'm noticing in these first two books so far, every once in a while, 
There are these weird fantasy things that pop up that seem to be just there to add whimsy to the story, and that's boring <laughs> to me. I mean, I I get that this is a book that's not written for people my age and my interest, but it, it comes off very boring. Okay. To be like, all right, oh, they have a ghoul? It's... <laughs> is, is it actually... Like... Okay, that sounds like it should be What are the consequences of a ghoul? Right, and it's like, oh, the consequences are literally it drops a pipe every once in a while and makes a loud noise and everyone goes, oh yeah, there's that ghoul. Another thought I had is what if it's one of the Weasley's grandparents? Tell me more. Like, what if it's like Shaun of the Dead style, they have a family member who's died and resurrected or come back as an undead monster... And they don't get rid of it because they love it. Right. Because it's still like a right. family member. Yeah. But it's... Up- Give it a play of liver every now and then. Yeah. It's just upstairs cr- crawling around being gross because it's actually their grandparent. That That's amazing. Right. And they, they love it very much I and they don't want to get rid of it. But they also like can't do anything with it functionally. So it's this sort of conflict of like, it's a horrible undead monster that could kill us. It's also grandma. I mean... <laughs> Which I guess in a lot of ways, you... A horrible undead monster that is also grandma doesn't have to be dead. Sure. It could just be grandma. It could is. just be grandma. Right. I'm sure there's plenty of people who have that grandparent. Mr. Weasley just hates his mother-in-law. Fucking ghoul. <laughs> yeah, what if it's that? What if he just calls her a ghoul, but it is just his mother-in-law who he just can't stand? And so he's just, they've, just, he, they've agreed she can stay with them as long as she's chained to the radiator upstairs. And only gets one plate of liver a day. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just saying it would be... I would be really interested if that was... I would be happy if that was the case. If it's... But it feels a lot like... It just feels like a lot like, uh, I'm going to scribble out some sort of, like, flight of fancy nonsense and then just forget about it. Speaking of the Weasleys and their questionable life choices, are there no wizarding contraceptives? It just seems like he knows how much he makes. Sperm out dough. <laughs> Not every spell can be out dough. <laughs> okay, I don't really have any. any no, no, way to I, I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just I, something that occurred to me. I'm just like, because witches and wizards, or at least witches, are famous medieval times for being the ones you would go to for dealing with an unwanted pregnancy or even preventative measures and it seems like they should be all about they don't they wouldn't have the stigma associated with various churches and things so why the but would heck they? are they just popping out kids when they can't afford it because as this book demonstrates they're strapped for cash no 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 I mean the idea of them not having any affiliation with the church we don't know that they have a friar they have We've discussed this a little bit before. I mean, I'm there's a part of me that wonders if witches and wizards, oh, they observe Christmas. They could very easily be Christian or Catholic. There's obviously something. Going there's on. obviously Irish witches and wizards, which I would find it very hard to believe they're not in some way devout. Um, like what's his name? The the Irish kid in, in Seamus. Seamus. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't be surprised if he's. Protestant or Catholic, either way. Um, so it, it's just—I think it lends it, this part of the conversation lends itself to the conversation we've already had about the weird marriage of those two things, and or their coexistence, sure. and, and how it's—it's it's unclear, but 
also certainly influence each other. And you can point to moments where they merge. Right. As I mentioned, Christmas, the Fat Friar, two very strong connective bridges between the magic world and Catholicism at minimum. Okay. Um, so So my point there is maybe the, given their red hair, maybe the Weasleys also are Catholic and have an issue with that. And maybe that's part of what she's trying to illustrate there. Um is that they are essentially a Catholic family um, and have those, you know, tropes of the... Thing. Yeah. Sure. And that's fine. We can snip this whole thing. No, I mean, most of this is worth including, but... (laughs) um, (laughs) But I don't know. I I just come off very... Too many babies. No, it's in the The book. The Draco Malfoy, the podcast. That's what I'm saying. They literally have so many kids that... By the time we get introduced to this family, two of them are living adult lives, like, and we barely see them. And the third one's about to be gone. So, no, I don't think it's. I don't. I think it's an astute observation that the the Weasleys, uh, especially when you look at someone like you said, the Malfoys, who have one kid, right? A, a fully magical family uh, has one kid. Uh, the, I mean, I think. Well, that one's not a fair one, but um, Luna. I believe is an only child I'm trying to rack my brain about the characters and who I know who is and isn't an only child um, and who is a sp- specifically also full magic well but not even that I just I mean <laughs> I was going to reference Longbottom but that's not fair no I don't know I, I kind of I wonder the same about the contra- contraceptives because it just seems like it okay what about this theory I'm gonna. This is bullshit, but I'm gonna answer. I'm gonna posit this theory. Okay. They may have magic spells to deal with sex without reproduction, but I would bet, considering how weirdly ignorant of the Muggle world Mister Weasley is, that he wouldn't even know where to begin with a condom. <laughs> I can just imagine a scene where he's like pulling it apart, like like imagine a scene from Encino Man. And he's just like, he's just as if a caveman was like figuring out how a telephone worked or anything like that. It would it'd be the same, and it would be hilarious. And I hope it's I hope this moment she includes in her inevitable slash fiction that we alluded to last episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> Damn it! Now I gotta include that. You gotta what? Include that. <laughs> You, so I think I'm ready to move on to Nocturne Alley. What did you have for there? Nocturne, um, this book, I believe I've read, had a lot of has a lot of close ties to book six, and I think was even originally called The Half-Blood Prince uh-huh. before she decided to move that late, and there's just so many little clues and nods. Like what? Well, like in Borgen and Burke's. Um, the Hand? No. Well, we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but Harry has to hide. Yes. He has to hide in a... Cabinet? Big black cabinet that comes in the series later. Is it the same cabinet? Well, yeah, man, that's what I'm saying. Why do you know it's the same cabinet? Because I've read the books. <laughs> but he also notices a shiny opal necklace. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's a... Uh, I think I know what that is. I think, you, I think you do. Okay. The Hand of Glory... Just remember the Hand of Glory. Just remember the Hand Just of Glory. Just remember that Hand that of Glory. That sounds like an ominous... Well, I mean... Post-war poster. We'll come back to it and... <laughs> Four more books. All right. We'll bring this up again. 
That's weird. It is weird. Here's here's what I noticed about Nocturne Alley okay. and this specific uh, shop. Again, bringing it back to wizard rules and regulations and laws. How is it possible that a world with such strict rules about underage magic exists in concert with a world where we have shops these children could easily walk into that have on their counters piles of human bones or women walking through the streets with plates full of toenails or fingernails or whatever the hell that was where, where is like any sort of organization that regulates the sale in, of, of human body parts is why is that okay like is that it, it just seems so strange and okay, these parents are keeping their kids from these places but like it just seems like a very, very, very odd thing to to just have, like, there. Like, and Harry walks in, and he walks out like, oh, I guess that was just a thing. Like, I guess that was just a place. Like, oh, I guess that's just a, you know, record store. For all the times his mouth drops open for mundane magic. Yes. He's just looking at body parts. Right. And, oh, this is dark magic, and that's evil, and poisons under the floorboards, and... Okay. Maybe, and again, I'm, I'm trying to justify it, but maybe it's a European thing. Like, maybe being exposed to things like the catacombs of Paris isn't at, makes things like this that not as odd. Yeah. Um, there are a lot more body parts floating around Europe. Yeah, than there are in the United States. And maybe that's part of it. But as a person reading it in the United States, I lose that. Sure. And it just seems really dark. Like, it just seems, like, extremely morbid and I, gross. And it's certainly morbid and gross. I feel like... The witch selling fingernails, that just brings me back to how uh, body parts, blood, hair are supposed to be ingredients for really powerful spells, but, and clearly she's just, you know, black market outside selling that stuff, which is nasty. But you're right, that it seems like there would be patrols that should be cracking down on that. Right, or, or and they mentioned sort of, like, a little bit about, like, whether or not, you know, Lucius is going to be in trouble for having bad shit or selling bad shit, but is that worse than selling it? You know, like, why is this store allowed to operate? Mm -hmm. Well, it's black market. I mean, that's not going into the proper ledger. Is it? What is going into the proper ledger? Again, I I don't expect you to have the answers to this. It just is a lot of questions that that are raised for me in this world where there is so much seemingly dark and evil shit out in the open and then like no enforcement of laws and maybe this is just part of world building to explain how the ministry is corrupt and ineffective and horrible but there are shops that operate that I mean like it's like a head shop pre-legalization where we're going to sell you this pipe but it's only for decoration or for curious or for tobacco but like what, what possible potions and magics could shrunken heads be used for that would justify their existence on the street for sale maybe you're a collector of human heads. <laughs> it's not something that we don't deal with in the United States. There have been people, well, I guess... For sale not in legal. markets. No, no, no. <laughs> I forgot about the legal aspect of it. Yeah, sure. No. Yeah, it seems like... Jeffrey Dahmer did get in trouble. Yes, he did. <laughs> Yes, he did. <laughs> All right, I forgot about that part. Right. Sure. It, it, we're illegal. not just talking about... Yeah, it's illegal. It's it's talking about having something in the open on the street for sale. And again, 
I guess pot is the most, or, or illegal, illicit drugs is the closest we can get to that, but that's still clandestine. That's still hidden a little bit, sure, shrouded sure. In, in ambiguity or whatever. It's not literally like, oh, we have a cop coming in. Let me let me brush this pile of human bones under the rug so he doesn't see them. <laughs> it, it's unlikely that that would work. I gotta flush my fingernails. Oh, these bones? They're for my private use. <laughs> How is that better? Is <laughs> in no way better. You shouldn't have human bones piling up anywhere. Whose bones were those? Like, did they donate them to market? Like, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Anyway, whatever. Just confusing and bothersome and... God damn it! I want answers, especially with the familial connection of magic. You wouldn't yeah, want and they your grandparent that. selling right. your bones because that could affect you years later if someone got a hold of those. Or they mentioned like oh, like like there's parts uh, in this chapter about they talk about like people not having pure. There's very few pure magic blood families mm-hmm. anymore, mm-hmm. or they're or they're becoming fewer. Sure, people don't care about it. Right. What makes me wonder like. Does that increase the potency of the bone magic? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, could you sell a bone of a pure blood witch or wizard for a higher price because they would be better in a spell or a concoction? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I don't get why that could be useful. I'm just saying gross and gross. Harry Potter and the Magic of the Bone. Oh, that's... That's, that's more slash fiction. I mean, I think you found her first type. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, this is just a side note here in that uh, in Nocturnality, when we when Hagrid finally shows up, she references once again, and this is a callback to our first season, that he has uh, beetle black eyes, mm-hmm. which I remember is a reference, as a similar reference to Snape, mm-hmm. Snape having the same eyes as Hagrid. And I am very certain that means nothing because I've seen all the films, Mm -hmm. but I want it to mean something. I I, I think your point of this character we love has this characteristic. This character we hate has this characteristic. Maybe there's more to this character that we hate. I think so, too. I think think it's a... That's that's, that's a... as I think I mentioned in the other episode, I think it's supposed to be sort of a... It's, as far as I can tell, one of the only hints right. that we get that maybe we should trust Snape more than we're giving him credit for because sure. he has eyes like... like Presumably kind eyes like you would expect from Harry's loyal protector. Sure. And because there that's are, exactly would, what he is, mm-hmm. just shrouded. And there's a lot of hints that are going to yes. start cropping up in this book. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, we're already seeing with cabinets and necklaces well and then there's this point here where in in page 55 Hagrid mentions the when Harry's you know bitching about the Dursleys Hagrid says lousy muggles if I'd have known which I think is supposed to be a reference to Hagrid having some sort of guilt about having left Harry with the Dursleys because they mistreat him so badly Mm. and I think that that's a pretty interesting point but it, it brings me to a point I have I guess I should bring it up now. I don't remember exactly where it is. I think it's in the next chapter. But this idea that... Why does Harry believe he has to go back to the Dursleys? Harry doesn't believe. He He does. What do you mean? I'll get there then. We'll just put a pin in this. Okay. In the next chapter, there's a point. Okay. uh, I have very few left in this chapter. Um, Points left. Jenny's first real bristling confrontation with someone with Malfoy in the bookstore where out of nowhere she's now protecting Harry. Yeah. I mean, immediately embarrassed by it, but suddenly Ginny's got something to do. Yeah. And that was cool. Um, And then it's not the best 
place to, but he is introduced, Gilderoy Lockhart. He is introduced. It's, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. he, it's not the chapter name for him, but I, I don't even, I think I tolerated him when I read the books, but, and then I believe early on there was talk of Hugh Grant mm. playing him, which jibed with the illustration in this, but then, what the fuck's his name? Kenneth Branagh? Kenneth Branagh. You I've, do I don't know what my lead You do my or lead don't in. like him. Oh, I like Kenneth Branagh. In this role. In this role, he's fucking amazing. He is really good. He, because I never conceptualized, I had, you know, braggadocio and obnoxious in my head. He plays it like British Shatner. Yeah. And I fucking lost my shit in the theater when I saw that. Just me. And it was amazing. I love his performance as Gilderoy Lockhart. That's really all, that's really it, but we first meet Gilderoy Lockhart here. I have I have some thoughts about him, but they're in the next chapter. Uh, but I, I, I agree in terms of his performance in the film. It, it it's un, it's it's much like Snape. It's impossible for me to read this without seeing him mm-hmm. as that character, uh, because uh, Kenneth Branagh just does such a good job. Mm-hmm. He really like being that sort of smarmy celebrity who's just so full of themselves and oblivious like 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 a kardashian sure like just so perfectly just like a grown worthy rather not see this person ever but there they are for some reason Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh kind of a kind of character it's great yeah, we'll get to him more later. Good. Uh, the, the last thing really I have in this chapter is that uh, flu powder seems terrible. <laughs> it seems like such a stupid way to travel. <laughs> Again, but cheap. It's I guess it seems fine. It's fun. It's 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 uh, fanciful. It's imaginative. It's it's visually interesting, and for and it and it gives you an opportunity to have mistakes, mm-hmm. which you need in yep. in this narrative. But it just seems so easy to fuck up sure. <laughs> and that seems bad Mr. Weasley is the one who fixed Harry's glasses not Hermione mm. but they got fixed yeah but, but she was out not in school why couldn't yet. she fix Ron's wand whatever um. <clears throat> I feel like a wand is a delicate piece of equipment and you can't just mend it with another spell from another wand you would have to take it to a wand maker because they're more intensive spells binding it together or you just need a new wand. He needs a new wand. Fix his wand. Um, the last thing I have here uh, is one of the, the things that really happened in this chapter is that Harry leaves the Weasley's house. He goes to Nocturne Alley, fucks up his flu powder and ends up in a bad shop where they sell bones. And he overhears a salacious conversation from Mr. Malfoy and the shop owner uh, and then runs out meets Hagrid after seeing a bunch of gross shit in the street and then runs into his friends, uh, the Weasleys and Hermione. Then they go to the shop, they meet Gilderoy Lockhart, and they get the three books, they get in a fight with Malfoy, they get in a fight with Malfoy's dad. Then the chapter basically ends. Here's my question. Okay. In the fight between uh, Lucius and Mr. Weasley, mm-hmm. who do you think, of the two men, is behavior, in behavior, right, who do you think J.K. Rowling resembles mo- more now that she's super rich and super famous? Do you think she resembles the nice guy, nice family guy who is like super nice to everybody or like the more like, I don't want to be around regular people, <laughs> obnoxious, horrible, regular people person? Well, I mean, Malfoy does have power fatigue. Yeah, he does. He really does. So you think she's becoming a Malfoy? I think that she, I would be surprised, I don't know anything about this woman, but I would be surprised, 
considering how rich she is, if she isn't more like some of these characters that when she wasn't rich, she wrote about so spitefully mm. than she is like the down-to-earth, nice, homey people she also wrote. That's a good point. I think I just think that like that's something that I feel like wealth does to people. Like, and that's clearly a, a theme in this book is that wealth makes people awful. Mm-hmm. Even but though you Harry could argue, yes, but he it. doesn't really. He doesn't really because he doesn't use it. He True. just sits on it. Uh, he doesn't really know how to use it. But you look at the Malfoys. You look at uh, Lockhart, and it's just like the rich people in the world are more mostly bad people the books are proletariat yeah so it's i don't think so oh fuck uh that you did you did use it right because the bourgeoisie would be the rich bad people but but i see what you're saying i'm i'm thinking if i can think of any good rich wizards none specifically coming to mind you would have to get to the point where you start defining what qualifies as rich sure but malfoys are clearly super rich opulent rich and I don't know if there's equivalent of that well, in Harry the, Potter. Well, the blacks appear to be somehow, like, old money, but also they not. Were, but they like, were also shit. That's a big... Right, right. Through line. I mean, some somehow, the Potters got a shit ton of gold. Mm-hmm. So, arguably, they're not awful and evil, but, you know, cut to Severus's flashbacks to see how awful they are. Right. And, and were... So I don't know. I don't know. It feels like there's a theme here about rich people being awful. And now that she's super rich, I just wonder if she, how she would feel about her own writing in that sense. Interesting. Anyway, uh, I have another point on that here in this, I think in this next chapter or, or later. But, so we're going to the next chapter? Yeah, I think it's time. Unless you have any more on chapter four. No, which, what's, what is the next chapter? Chapter five is oh, called The, the Whomping Willow. Willow. Right. So here's, here's, here's really where I was coming back about the Dursley thing. Very first paragraph. Harry mentions that he dreads having to go back to the Weasleys. Okay. Or not the Weasleys, the Dursleys. He, uh, I might actually just find it really quickly and read it because it is stupid. The end of the summer vacation came too quickly for Harry's liking. He was looking forward to getting back to Hogwarts, but his month at the borough had been the happiest of his life. It was difficult not to feel jealous of Ron when he thought of the Dursleys and the sort of welcome he could expect next time he turned up on Privet Drive. Why would he ever consider that he had to go back? Well, because he's very polite and British and... Not at all polite. He's a horrible monster. <laughs> very British. Yes. Can't argue that. And wouldn't assume he has a place anywhere else. Okay. How much gold does Harry Potter have and could he just buy his own house? He probably could. Why wouldn't he? Well, he's thinking with the 12-year-old brain. Why wouldn't he live with Hagrid? I'm sure he wouldn't broach that because he would be like, oh, he doesn't want me. But Hagrid straight up says, if I'd have known, true, true, if true. I'd have known, I wouldn't have. And then he like has that moment. Like, okay, Hagrid, right now, take me in. Like, we, you, they, have, they don't want me. They don't want me to live there. They treat me horribly. I don't want to live there. I don't want to live there. Like, I would rather live somewhere else. You sound like you want me to hang out with you. Can't. Why? Why can't I just do that? Right. I feel like there's probably some sort of bull... I think the answer is bullshit, but I think I know the answer. There is a reason. I think I know the reason. we will get to it a long time from now. I think it's bullshit, though. Um, it's probably bullshit, but Harry doesn't know that it, anything about that yet, and that's what we're talking about. I think they... Meant, I think, honestly, it's, of... it goes back to the first chapter of the first book. Okay. The idea is that... Voldemort will never look for Harry at the Dursleys because he doesn't know where they are. He doesn't know about them. 
That's why Harry stays That there. is the crux of the reason, yes. Right. But does Harry know that? No. If I was Harry... Yes. I would fight as hard as I could to get the fuck away from that. That's why your argument does hold water. Right. I, I give you and, that. And he doesn't... If he doesn't know that, why isn't he doing that? Like, if he's that abused, that poorly I have treated... People who like me, why the fuck do I have to go he back? He has means, he has opportunity, he has everything you'd need, except apparently the will. Even a 12-year-old should be like, how can I get out of this? Yeah, there's plenty of 12-year-olds who have bad enough parental experiences where they try to seek their own divorce from their parents. They try to be, uh, what, what's that word? Uh, it's that, you know what I'm talking about. The thing Emancipation. Where, emancipated from their parents, yes. It just seems, it seems silly. It seems like an obvious and clear oversight that Harry Potter should not... At least a line of thought that should have been explored. Yeah, at least there should be a chapter where Harry just goes to Dumbledore or goes to Hagrid and says, explain why I can't do this. Or goes to the... Like, why isn't every moment of him at the Weasleys being like, let me live here? Let me live here. (laughs) I want to live here. I will buy you a new house. Can I live here? I just... It just... How can we make this work? We need... Right. Like, why isn't that his main goal? Right. And then, and then someone would have to explain to him, you know, okay, Harry, well, here's the thing, you know, Voldemort wants to kill you. Uh, and he's a... And I would say, um, she certainly does seem to have a good grasp on how that adolescent brain works. Sure. Because the justification of flying the car mm-hmm. in that situation, I, I felt like I've been there. Like, oh, this totally makes sense. I can do this and not get in trouble. So, cynic version of me thinks that the reason Harry doesn't think those things and, and, and take those trains of thought is because he knows if he did, if he truly got away from the Dursleys, he wouldn't be able to torture them anymore. <laughs> and there's nothing, <laughs> nothing Harry Potter wants to do more than torture the Dursleys. He cannot wait <laughs> to get back and come up with new creative ways to make their lives living hells. So you can bet he just, he's sitting there thinking, there's nothing I could spend my money on that would bring me more joy than torturing the Dursleys. And watching Dudley quail in fear. He's a a fucking monster. That's really, I like that. I honestly don't have much more on this chapter. This chapter was boring. Really? I think so. With the invisibility booster and the... It was all fine. It's mostly sitting in the car. It You're was right. all fine. You're right. A little bit of action at the end. Uh, there's a clue, though. Another one. And it's much more depth than the movie, I feel. Jenny left her diary. Let's go back and get it. You and even at the time realize that that's an important diary. <gasps> right? You're right. I didn't. I totally forgot. She does that so often. Yeah. JK, it's it's amazing. Like, I'll, I'll be really book fifth time. I'll be like, wait a second. Does that yeah. mean... That totally is what that means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, but yeah, other than Snape catching them instead of Filch. I, I, I did like the idea of introducing something that seems like it would be such a functionally powerful device to give the characters, like a flying car, mm-hmm. and then just fucking destroy it. I really like that. I like the idea a lot. It's it's very much like, hey, this is how fun wizarding can be, right? but fuck you, you don't get it. <laughs> Watch this. Oh, you know what's also cool about Wizarding World? Giant trees that fuck shit up. And guess what? I'm going to prove it works by destroying this thing you think is badass. I like that a lot. Uh, I like I like the consequences in this chapter. Uh, it just was, again, kind of like, okay, whatever. Let's get on with it. The car here first exhibits its... Uh, sentience? Nascent sentience. 
This is this sentence I wanted to say. Fine. Fuck you. <laughs> I mean, um, I let you say it. Do you think it. that <laughs> was a byproduct of Mr. Weasley's spell, of just being in flight so long? How did that happen? How did it become... I have an answer. Herbie fully loaded. Go for it. I think the answer is that we're misattributing sentience. I think a lot of magical items appear to have sentience, but they don't. They're mimicking the humanity of the people who put the spells on them. Okay. I think that that's where we get things like the Sorting Hat. Sorting Hat clearly has a personality and clearly a trait. You're absolutely right because Mr. Weasley, perfectly fine all the time, pushed too far yeah. in the bookstore, lost his shit, just right. like the car was finally pushed too far. Right. Get the fuck out. Yeah, I'm going home. That's exactly what had the car is Mr. Weasley. Right. Just like I talked in the last season about how Mrs. Weasley's knitting skills yes. were equivalent to the sweaters that were ultimately produced by her magic. Right. That totally makes sense. Yeah, I think that's what she's how she's uh, creating that sort of thing in this magical world. I'm not having an easy time coming up with instantly other objects that have that sort of personality, mm-hmm. but um, the sorting hat, I think, is the best one, and then the car's right there for what I have in my memory at this moment. Well, but I think a lot of it also would be how long the spell was active mm-hmm. in the car is going to infuse it with that personality. And they, you know, flew it a long time. The sorting Hat's been doing this for thousands of years, so it can sing a song. Yeah. <laughs> you have to bring that up. Uh, we missed it this time, though. Thank God. But we also missed Ginny's sorting. Yeah, that's true. That's a bummer. I did like all the professors hanging out together in this little tiny room, though. Like, the, the main core group of professors. From oh, in Snape's years. office? In Snape's office, yeah. I liked that. I liked how McGonagall did her cool um, trick with the same. I said Mac <laughs> this time on purpose. I, I know you did. Um, I choked it out. Uh, the... Uh, I liked her trick with the sandwiches. I thought that was cute. I thought that was like I like I like her characterization of being like really strong and strict and stern, mm-hmm. but then also being like, "Here's some sandwiches." <laughs> like I know you guys are hungry. I know you took a long trip here. You didn't have anything to eat. Here's some sandwiches and some some pumpkin juice. Right. What a weird drink. Is that a thing that they drink a lot in England or is no. it just open? I think it's like. Pumpkins or witch things or like pumpkins Halloween? or pumpkin pie. Right. Wouldn't that be great if you had a drink that tasted like that? Ugh, I don't know. No? A clovey, spicy, fruity kind of... No. Not for me. Thick puree. Yeah, that, that sounds horrible. Choke, da- choke down. That sounds really bad. It's got some dairy in it. It'd be going off. You're not getting better <laughs> at, make, at making this sound more delicious. It's just continuing to sound equally as bad as it did okay. before. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I think... Uh, I'm, I don't... I'm curious if it's a thing that uh, is a thing people drink in other parts of the world that I don't know about. I think about. only in Florida and oh, now, Florida. well, because of Harry Potter Park. Oh. It's basically like a... They have pumpkin juice there? Oh, yeah. Why? Because, well, it's because it's in the books. That's horrible. It's like a pulpy apple juice. I would just drink apple juice. But it's not pulpy. Give me some cider. You can't. That's all I want. It's thicker than cider. Ugh. You can feel it going down your throat. Well, You can feel anything you drink going down your throat. That's a fair point. <laughs> uh, yeah, um... The metal remains solid. Oh. That's a note I have for this chapter. The what? The metal remains solid. I don't remember why I wrote that down. Oh, the metal. I know why I wrote that down. Because King's Cross looks nothing like it does in the movie. They use a different station in the movie. Because I guess bricks look um, <laughs> the same? more magical. Oh, okay. And, and it's a metal barrier that they go through in the book. I didn't, I just, I didn't know that. It was just an interesting... 
Oh, you're just pointing in the middle, say solid because that's what that's what you yeah, that's later. what's like. Oh, right. I mean, it's, Why it's that not a work. particular thing, and then they may. I think they have a brick uh, thing there between nine and ten now with a trolley half stuck through it for cutesiness. Are you talking about in the movie or in the? Book? If you went to England, oh, King's Cross, there's a little display. Now oh, oh, there's an actual, with, I think, brick. Work. Okay, where it's but like originally. It wasn't that. It was just okay. Inj- well, but also on that note, it obviously we know for later what that's what that what's happening there. Sure. Why it, why it doesn't work? I think that's a really brilliant piece of writing. I think everything she does with that mm-hmm. and the strings that she lays throughout this book. I'm I'm guessing because I've seen the film are super fun and super cool. Sure. I really like them. At first, I was starting to think, why did the Weasleys not apparate back so quickly? But I'm guessing that in the confusion of the last minute, people rushing for the train, they just lost track of Harry and Ron. Yeah, I think you're I think it's just like at this point everything was happening so quickly. Yeah. Um but so on the, on the idea that this chapter is kind of boring, it is fun, but on the other hand, for as much as I'll criticize it as I have, I guess, I really like the way she wrote Snape when mm-hmm. Snape comes back. Mm-hmm. I really like that. I really like how like I actually as reading it like I felt like we had talked recently about how she's really good at putting you in those, like taking you back in time to those points in your life where you were a young person and mm-hmm. you had all those young people fears. She's really good at illustrating those in a way that's like really works at transporting me into those moments and those memories. And this one hundred percent made me feel like I was in trouble at school. Like really made me feel like, Oh shit. Like when you're that kid and you're like the worst thing that could happen was I'd be expelled, you know, like at worst expelled or worst expelled. Like I remember I got in a fight in middle school mm-hmm. once with a good friend of mine and like, I remember being in the, the office at school just being like, oh, God, I've, I've, I've never been in an experience, in a situation like this. I have no idea what's going to happen next. And it could be anything, and I would have no way to fight it because I don't have any, like, previous incidents where sure. I can point to a goal. But this doesn't line up with precedent. Like, mm-hmm. this doesn't make any sense. But so I just remember that that palpable fear of just being like, this could be it. I could be I could be homeschooled now or something. Uh was totally there like that feeling of those two boys just being like at the mercy of you know McGonagall and then Snape being so on the edge of being like so close to getting what he wanted and, and the escalation of the consequences in a way where each time it happens they're not aware of how much worse it can get right and then Dumbledore comes in and just cuts him to the bone with explain why you did this right which is just like the best way that could be worded yeah like I, I, I'm right there with you every yeah. time I hear that I'm just like oh shit yeah I really it, disappointed him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, that being so much worse, we was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> fuck, I'm such a dick. I wish Harry had that moment. <laughs> he doesn't. It's no self-actualization for him. That's all I have for that, chapter. Okay, yeah. We can we can move on all to right, chapter Gilderoy six, Lockhart. Gilderoy Lockhart. Uh, I really have very few notes on this chapter. Yeah, I don't have too many. Um, I will say, though... Howlers are fucking cool. Howlers, I just like with the with the um, Weasleys at uh, the barrier. I had a question and then talked myself right out of it because for a long time it bugged me that Neville had a howler. Ever? Well, he he got a howler from his grand once. So why the fuck are we introducing them? We should know about them. But maybe he went to a wizarding summer camp. Well, we're interested sort of for Harry, right? But I'm saying it's obvious what a howler is. If he got one in the lunchroom, Harry would have noticed it and known what a howler was. He didn't get a howler at, at school, though. No, but he doesn't. He said, my grand sent me one once. I always assumed up until today when I read the chapter Did it happen that, at Hogwarts? that it happened at Hogwarts. But Neville, we know he's had problems with magic. He probably went to some sort of remedial 
bring the magic out of your... There's literally any situation where someone sure. would send you a letter that was screaming at you. Um, <laughs> certainly me. Uh, <laughs> but, so you like, but you like the Howlers. I like them. I feel like they're exactly... Where I feel like she misses the part on the whims or misses the mark on whimsy when it comes to things like the gnomes mm-hmm. or the ghoul. Sure, she nails it with things like the howler. Because that's what a parent could do. Yes, it would be. It's such a magical extension of a real life thing. Sure, that is. That's that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. When when those things work, it's fantastic. Uh, and the howler is exactly that. Like you again, you get transported at that time when you are like you're coming home from school and you got you fucked up <laughs> some way, and you know your mom got called, right? And you know you're going home, and you're like, mm, I okay, I get home at three, she gets off work at five. That gives me two hours to figure out how many like how many get ahead of this, or like two hours just to avoid being yelled at, mm-hmm. like two hours of peace before you know the hammer's coming down. And it's just like that, it's that weird limbo where you're like, I have two hours of my life left. I have two hours to do anything before I'm grounded. <laughs> and then like, what do I want to do? <laughs> what can I do? Well, how much fun can I cram into two hours before I get grounded? Interesting. That's like a howler. Howler brings me back to that moment where Ron's like, like when, when Ron's like, I don't want to open it. <laughs> and Neville's like, if you, you better open it. <laughs> like it gets worse if you don't open it. And then it starts to smoke. <laughs> like, I just love that imagery. It's so well done. It's it's it, it really makes howlers are fucking awesome. Okay. Um, I don't think we see any of them ever again. But like, uh, uh, they're awesome. If we do, it's nowhere near as satisfying. It's right. a all right. This is a thing. Right. Um, I will say Colin Creevy mm-hmm. is introduced. Mm-hmm. Um, probably just to get out ahead of this with a mechanical camera, which were big before they were battery powered, because electronic things don't work at Hogwarts. But what? Oh yeah, it's a thing. I'll come up later. Okay. Anything that they might have, alarm clock or camera, has got to be mechanical. Spring-loaded and shit, not... Uh, okay, not electric? Not electric. Um, yeah, they'll come up in book four when they're theorizing yeah. how Malfoy knows things. And I mean, you're like, maybe bugging devices. I'm like, no, not electronics. Yeah, but you'd imagine that, like, electronics are kind of like a magical thing themselves. But they're not. They kind of are. I mean, you're, you're capturing energy. Only from an Arthur C. Clarke kind of point of view. Any significantly advanced technologies indistinguishable from magic. Never mind. I mean, I guess that is what I'm saying, but I'm I'm I don't know. We'll we'll get there. But um, Colin Creevy. All I really have to say about him, yeah, is that he gives Harry an out. In that, Colin mentions that. He's from a muggle family. Mm-hmm. And that he says something like, who knew that all the weird things I could make happen were because I'm a wizard? Sure. That's not where I'm going with this. Go ahead. Well, I'm going to finish. This is my, yeah, this is no, my tangent, and then we'll go where you're going, because you gave me a pause, and sure, I should take it. Hey, take that pause. Um, the uh, All the questions I have about the legality of using magic outside of Hogwarts and mm-hmm. why Harry in the beginning of this book got the letter from Hogwarts being like, no, not allowed. And where was the letter every time he did something before he went to Hogwarts? It kind of sets up this idea that that's just sort of what happens to wizards, especially when they're in muggle families, is that they have these things that happen, they get a Hogwarts letter, and then they're sort of slowly introduced to the rules of the wizarding world and the 
spells and things they make happen event like before they go to school are really a very little consequence so there's no reason to you know slap their wrists sure. just let them let them get introduced let them learn the rules and then eventually they'll behave your thing was much more profound than mine <laughs> <laughs> well let's get to your pissant little comment <laughs> Colin Creevy's dad's a milkman so there fuck you They do have milkman. They do have milkman. Yeah. Okay. That's a solid callback to episode one of Death Readers. But also, really good points and observations about Colin Creevy. Thanks. <laughs> I, I mean, they're really only, again, they're, they're both comments about Colin are comments about observations we had from the very beginning of this show. Mm-hmm. Um that at least help me contextualize and rationalize questions I had, what I feel like are reasonable and rational questions about the function of the way things work in this story, in Mm -hmm. this world. I still would like to have, I would really like to see the case law, (laughs) I guess is what I'm saying, for like why that's okay. Because, okay, let's let's imagine, what's the worst spell an untrained wizard could cast or, or what's the worst effect a wizard could have that would affect the muggle world in a way that they weren't able to explain before they'd get training. Well, I, I mean, let's just say... Book three is probably the most drastic one that comes to mind. Well, I don't know what that is yet, I don't, so let's not get there. Okay. But just looking at these books, let's say Harry Potter is in a glass-bottom boat and it makes the glass disappear. Okay. And yep. it sinks and people die. Sure. I'm sure stuff like that does happen. I'm kind of sure it is, too. And that seems weird that the Ministry of Magic's just like, let God sort them out. <laughs> like, like, just throws their hands up and turns their back. And is like, yep, I guess that's just what happens when you have untrained wizards running around. Why not start training them earlier? Like, Why 11, yeah. Why, why 11 if these kids are able to get, like, to mess up with that stuff when they're 10? Maybe that's the... That you know the X Men puberty. That's when it's really starting to. Then why have the arbitrary age? I mean, I guess you know, like all bureaucracy, it just makes things easier. You got to pick a median somewhere. Right, right. Um, but they're magic. They could just be like, they could have like. Why couldn't they have like sensors that yeah. just trigger like magic? Kid just started they, using their magic. Clearly, they have sensors on. Yeah, on the homes when it goes off. Whatever. It just seems weird. Maybe, maybe, maybe. There's a whole bunch of wizard libertarians who don't want magic sensors on everyone's homes. Like it even, 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 even if it means they're defending muggles. Right. They're like, nope, that's too much oversight. I, I noticed in this chapter, specifically page 100. Um, oh, you're on page 100? Let me jump ahead of you here because I'm on page 94. Oh, damn. Okay. Page 94. My name was down for Eaton, you know. I can't tell you how glad I am I came here instead. Oh, that was a clue you picked up. It was a clue I picked up. Because that is totally, specifically in the book, mentioned later that he wishes he hadn't said. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah. And I I, I had to go back and reread, look for it a couple times when I first read this book. And I'm like, oh. He's like, I let it slip that I was down for Eaton. And I'm like, when the fuck did you say that? So that's a really good observation. Well... Yes, I guess. Mosley, what is Eaton? Oh. <laughs> I'm going to get the region wrong. I'm, I'm sorry. Is it another school? It's a school. I believe it's like a 
preteen Cambridge or Oxford. Oh, is it a real school? Yeah, it's a real school. It's a real school. But I think also, I think James Bond went there. Oh. Which is not a real person, but it is a, it is, (laughs) it's a different, different book series. But yes, it is a. Death Reader, Shaken Not Stirred, the Bond (laughs) series. Only if we can do it with martinis. I'm not going to do it. Martini. But yes, and that's one of those if were you... Okay, cool. I thought English, it was another magic school. No. Okay. No, it's a, it's a clearly I am a muggle. Or got from it. a muggle. It's a muggle right. school, right. but a famous one. Okay, see, I wasn't famous enough. Maybe like saying Juilliard, maybe. Sure. That helps me contextualize this character. So this character, Justin's kind of a dick. Oh, totally. I guess. Okay, so yeah. I, I don't remember him from the film, so I don't really remember. He's in the films. I don't remember him from the films. What did he do in the movies? He's um when this, the Dueling Club... The snake. What are you playing at? Oh. Yeah. Whatever. Um, okay. Yeah, boring. Hope he died in the Battle of Hogwarts. So, um... Is that too, I might too, have. I too dark? Know. Oh, no. Where is there a battle... We'll <laughs> is there a memorial for the Battle of Hogwarts, and does it have everyone's names listed? Maybe. Better be. Okay. Um, Not in the books. Well, his name should be on it. Um, I'm sure if you go to Pottermore. That's all I have for page 94. Where were you on page 100? Oh, page 100 was just an observation of now that most of the groundwork has been taken up by book one. Yeah. Then she can just spend time building characters, creative little things, you know. Ron was now staring at Lockhart with an expression of disbelief on his face. Seamus Finnegan and Dean Thomas were sitting mm. in the front, shaking with silent laughter. Hermione was staring with rapid, just, just, just. She mentions Crab having a really thick neck. Yeah, sure. Um, well, but, but, but yeah, but it, but it's it's just fleshing everybody out, and that's where this is where the books I think start to become more fun. Fun. Um, you connect with them more because it's not introductions. It's here's something else about this person. And that's why this book is, I feel it's already reading a lot better than Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah, maybe. Um, I, I mean, I, I know that there's definitely a couple of chapters that are amazing, especially in the last podcast. We, we talk about those a couple of times. Uh, these, I didn't feel like were that great. They were fine. Sure. But I felt like they were so much more middle of the road. Like, it's still, it's still, they're still groundwork chapters. But it's also just so like, uh, what's the word? Like, uh. They're just transitive. Sure. Their purpose is to get you from one place to another. They're not really doing anything independent of, well, I've already set myself up with this structure of Harry always has to start here in in, in England sure. with the Dursleys and then always has to get to Hogwarts and then always has to go through the ceremony. Like, everything's so rigid and regimented that it seems like she kind of painted herself into a corner mm-hmm. where she has to hit these things. So the first literally six chapters of the book are like, finally we're at Hogwarts for day one of school, a hundred pages in. That's true. And it's kind of like, it's a it's a slog. We haven't even got to the uh, basic mystery of the books yet. No, it not, well, th- the breadcrumbs are there, but like, you aren't aware of what's happening. That's true. Okay, I see what you're saying. There's a breadcrumber, too. Really, um, only maybe two. <laughs> do you have final thoughts on these? Uh, I have one more thought here. Yeah, like, um, again, we'll get back to this point I mentioned earlier. Because of this chapter, like, you find a, in these three chapters, I found a lot of times where uh, Lockhart is giving advice to Harry about how to be famous. Mm-hmm. About how to handle, like, oh, man, maybe you shouldn't uh, try so hard to get on the front page every day. I mean, like, you know, don't want to get ahead of yourself. Don't want to get too big of a head. You know, you'll get there. You'll earn it. Or ideas like that. And it occurs to me, the, the shit he says isn't terrible advice if you're navigating how to be famous. 
True. So it makes me wonder how many of these things did, is or did JK employ on her rise to be a Malfoy? <laughs> and how many does she uh, operate with today? Like how many of these things that he said does she like live by? I don't want to think of her as a Malfoy. <laughs> Okay, maybe not that bad. She's JK, not a fucking Nazi. JK, I just mean like JK Malfoy. She's not that. Obviously, per her Twitter account, she's kind and extremely liberal. Yes. But like, she's also rich. And as we know, a theme in this book, as we've just addressed, is is that the rich are kind of evil. Sure. Or at least prone to malice. Sure. A different set of standards. Right. Well, or, or, or at least I think inarguably, it's fair to say that the rich through their wealth, have enough agency to dismiss and avoid poor people. Mm -hmm. And I think that someone who's as wealthy as J.K. Rowling absolutely has that. She and, Do you think she dismisses poor people? Cause I think she avoids them. I think she probably... So she's I done a lot for charity. It's not the same. Okay. Like, yeah, I mean, when you're, I mean what, what's she doing for charity? Is she washing poor people's feet? There's other poor people for that. Exactly. <laughs> Or is she just like, here's a fucking check. <laughs> like, bop, I want a fucking, like, you know, hospital wing named after me or some shit. Whatever. It, it's, I don't know enough about her to sure, say sure, these sure. things. But it just, it just occurs to me that, like, the way I feel like I've seen her treat people on Twitter occasionally feels sort of like she's almost begrudgingly dealing with Potter fans still. Mm -hmm. Like, we talked about Potter sure. fatigue. But, right. like, this idea that, like... Oh great! I have to deal with the people who made me rich again. Because <laughs> like, let's be honest, like again, the thing about a product like this mm -hmm. is people are generally only buying one copy. So like, generally, <laughs> generally. Um, so like, you have a rich person's going to give her just as much money as a poor person, right? So it doesn't matter who she's getting the money from; it just matters the quantity of people who are giving her money, right? So. I mean, again, with that agency, why wouldn't you... Like, she has no reason to meet people who aren't going... Like, who are not going to help her maintain or, or expand wealth. Mm -hmm. Why would she? Why would she continue? Why would she deal with them? As opposed to when she was, like, you know, writing these books. I'm sure she had lots of friends who were, like, living in apartments or with multiple different people. I don't know. I'm rambling on something that's completely insignificant to the book. But it just... It just occurred to me that, like, again, like, there's probably more similarities than I bet she would want to admit now mm -hmm. if she looked into a mirror and saw what she really wanted. I'm sure it wouldn't be Gildred Lockhart. <laughs> but I think if she looked in a regular mirror, that's who she'd see. <laughs> Profound. Not really, because when you see yourself in a regular mirror. <laughs> I mean, if she saw Gildred Lockhart in a mirror and she looked into it, she'd have to have some sort of element of magic in this mirror or psychosis. I believe, uh, just pursuant to that, and we can cut this out if it's not that interesting, that he was based on somebody she hated. Oh, fuck, that's awesome. Yeah. And she hates herself now. <laughs> um, okay. No more, no Quidditch yet. Still no Quidditch. Still no Quidditch. Oh. God damn it. Like, and in one sense, I'm like, awesome. This is great. No more, no Quidditch yet. On the other hand, it's fucking coming. I, it's, it is coming. It may not even be in the next three chapters. I'm not sure. I just want to get it over with. It's just like a fucking. But I will say the next three chapters include one that is not in the movie at all. Oh. And this is the first time we're going to really deviate, I think. At least okay. have, at least have a, a little, you know. Anti room, of, okay. of 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 a of a story that's not 
in the movie and something that you know you always wish was because I think it's pretty cool. Cool. Well, I will say again though that in terms of this, in terms of our themes of reviewing this, Harry's still a total dick. Yep. Um, we have a weird element of too much dark magic and human body part, you know, ingredients for magic present. We have the idea that Quidditch sucks is still still ever present. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like we're still maintaining our. I have not had any one of those things countered right yet, and I'm I'm kind of waiting, but I don't <laughs> think it's going to happen, and that's, I'm fine with that. But okay. I'm going to keep hitting these these themes until they're proven wrong or until they stop popping up. So yeah, I guess next time on Death Readers we'll be hitting chapter seven, eight, and nine. Seven, eight, and nine in uh, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. If you want to get in touch with us, we're on Twitter at Real Death Reader or Gmail at Death Readers at Gmail. We don't have an Instagram yet, but we do uh, check and see our posts on Reddit and uh, comments on our Podbean account. That's true. So uh, if you want to get back to us on Podbean. So speaking of Podbean, we did get a comment from BCC in 8T. Probably butchering your name. It's probably clever and I don't understand it. Um, where it says, in reference to something I said in the last episode, there is no black magic. Magic is not evil. It is the darkness in the person. So to say black magic would be wrong. That doesn't really clear it up. <laughs> uh, the darkness in a person seems just as vague as black magic. It seems just as vague as uh, the dark side. I mean... And I would argue there are dark arts that are clearly labeled, at least in the book, they, they acknowledge the, that would be the black magic. That would be the, I'm using blood to put snakes in your intestines. Unless, of course, black magic itself, uh, the term, is specifically pertinent and defined as something that I'm not aware of that means it's evil, which I, I guess I understand, but it seems like how else would you define Voldemort? Like, it seems kind of it just seems kind of weird to be like, oh, it's the darkness in a person. Show me a person who doesn't have some darkness in them. Show me a person who's never gone through any sort of trauma that would lead them to cope in an aggressive or off-putting way. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what we're... When, when most of... Most evil behavior, most is things where people don't have adequate coping mechanisms to deal with the trauma they've endured in their life. And so they have developed poor mechanisms that help them get through their trauma and inadvertently hurt other people and cause collateral damage that creates more trauma and more pain and more poor coping mechanisms. I mean, if you're talking about true evil, it it's not... It's not simply just someone is a little bit dark inside. Right. It's, well, true evil is a hard concept to nail down anyway. It, it, it's often it it's really a term is. we give to things we don't like, so it's easier to be against it. Yeah, I mean it's 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 also subjective. It's cultural. Yes, like you have that's the, you I'm... have ideas like there are. Uh, I, I feel like there are tribes in in India or like sects of people in India who will eat uh, who are cannibals who eat uh, you know the body parts of the dead or will um, coat their bodies in the ashes of the dead. Uh, there are, I guarantee you, a lot of people, especially, you know, in in, in Christian sects, who would feel that is straight up evil. Like mm-hmm. that is a thing that you would do if you were possessed by a demon, right, or something like that. It's just these other people's culture. Like, 
who is to say that there is like evil evil as a concept comes from a, a superposition of deciding that someone has moral superiority like some sort of di divine or some sort of like bestowed upon them right to mm -hmm. you know a pure point of view right and that's just bullshit I get what you if you're if what you're saying is you're agreeing with what I've just said <laughs> in that like there is essentially no evil that's why she doesn't have black magic in the book I guess that's fair but it's really hard I mean even the way they justify a lot of uh, Voldemort's actions later in the in the stories it's hard to see that as anything but just straight up evil like you know the the flashback scene where Dumbledore finds him in that orphanage or whatever it's really hard to see that as as just like oh a misunderstood kid with bad coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. It seems much more like a straight up evil, malicious, destructive character, and that's I don't know. It just feels like there's the way the black the way the dark side was referenced didn't make it sound like it was some sort of uh, potentially taboo art form. It made it, you know, if you were going to do a painting with urine and feces, that's gross, but is it, it's not evil. Right. That's kind of how I feel like they're, you're, this, this justification of what the dark magic is, it's not how I feel like it was discussed in, in the book. I feel like it was much more pent up, like, again, very much like Star Wars being like, no, this is like, you know, uh, delving into evil acts and behavior, malicious, violent, and cruel cruelty. Mm-hmm. That still seems like it would be easier just to call fucking black magic. <laughs> Again, unless black magic itself is some sort of proprietary concept and phrase stemming from another fiction that I'm unfamiliar with. Keep commenting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, until next time. Yeah, until next time, I guess that's Death Readers. Uh, wow. <laughs> you want to go again? <laughs> I'm sure you had a better one. I didn't have a better one, but that was just so... Uh. <laughs> no, I, I just, I, I really did enjoy, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed getting a comment. And then like, because it was like, I got excited. <laughs> like I was like, I, I could, I can say shit to this. Um, and then like, but like, I just, my natural, like, you know, obtuseness. <laughs> it just like makes it hard to it makes it hard to convey how much I genu genuinely appreciated it because <laughs> I'm such a jerk you are a jerk yeah I'm sorry you we, just, we just I, fade this whole thing out no no I feel really... like we're keeping all of this part in <laughs> but, but with a gradual fade no I out. feel like we should we should try to wrap it up genuinely but I don't know how you felt like I felt like you had a you had a wind up and then I like caught the pitch and took it from you and ran across the field and you're just like stuck there. I think some of it was my expectation that you would do something with it though I did you sure did <laughs> <laughs> okay that's that uh, concludes death readers season two episode two death readers oh have we ended the episodes before by saying like you know something like Usually we're like next time on Death Readers. Yeah, but like I don't. But we were. I mean, that. yeah. Next time on Death Readers, we read through the next couple chapters yeah, and shut up, man. and uh, you know that's that's is Harry Potter still? So <laughs> um, your face is evil. Yeah, your face is evil. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm Doug. I'm Rob. And thanks for joining us. Your face is evil. What the fuck's his name? Directed Thor. Taika Waititi. And the other foot, the first Thor. Won Oscars for Hamlet. Henry V. Play fucking Gilderoy Lockhart's where I'm going with this. I don't know the man's name. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you son of a bitch. There's no point in which you continue to give me his credentials that I will be able to go, oh, this guy. You have a phone next to you. Directed and starred in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. You have a phone. What you do about nothing? Next to you. Dead again. There's a phone. Yeah, what if I... The phone wins. I lose. So do we. <laughs> so the phone. This is always the thing where it will come to me just as I'm looking it up. That's fine. It's just I hate that. against time. Oh, son of a bitch. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's right there. It's almost... There's got to be a way we could do pre-prep for things like... Kenneth Branagh! Anyway, um, I guess this podcast No, I think was, we just need some kind of sign-off. Well, there it was. There it is. Death Readers. <laughs> <laughs> the end. This book, I don't know. <laughs> Goodbye. Well, that's Death Readers. That's Death Readers. Yeah. Try that again. Can we try it again? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well...